Welcome to Hoops with Book and Sheed. James Harden is officially a Brooklyn Net. We recorded an emergency segment to add to the beginning of an already recorded podcast. So there you have it. Today we got James Harden content. We have um, we actually talk about COVID and the NBA for quite a bit. And then we do deep dives on a couple teams. So we talk about the Lakers, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, then we finally finish up with everybody's favorite segment, text from Sheed. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. James Harden is on the move. It's official. We are recording a quasi-emergency pod to talk about it. Um, Sheed, I don't know if you have the details of this ridiculous trade in front of you, but should we start by just telling the people what happened? Yeah, sure. I don't have the details in front of me, but I can try it off the top of my head if you want me to. I I don't doubt your ability to do so, so let it rip. Okay, so the Nets traded. Uh, we're going to start by saying Rodian's Kuruks, <laughs> uh, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, three firsts and four swaps. So I think it's like those swap, first swap, et cetera, starting this year. Um, and then they received James Harden. Uh, oh, they also traded Torian Prince. Sorry, traded Torian Prince. Yep. yep. The Rockets traded uh, James Harden and received all these picks um, plus Kuruks, um, plus a first from Cleveland via the Bucks. Or I don't know if they're saying it, but it's a Bucks first runner that Cleveland had. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Oladipo. Um, and then the and Dante Exum, sorry. The Cleveland traded this first from the Bucks. Uh Exum and got Jared Allen and uh Torian Prince. And the last one is Indiana. Uh traded Victor Lodipo and got Karis Levert. Wow. That is complicated. You did a great job with that. Um let's let's start with the nets um i mean in one sense they just traded for one of the five best players in the nba probably one of the two or three best offensive players they now pair him with kevin durant probably another top five player and potentially kyrie irving a top 20 ish player uh which i think undoubtedly vaults them to the top of the Eastern Conference just with their sheer firepower alone. Um, but at the same time, clearly mortgages their future. Um, so I, I have two questions. One is like, what are your thoughts on the present versus future? I think that one's kind of an easy answer. The second is, what do you think about the way that the Nets are going to look as an actual team now? Yeah, in terms of present versus future, it feels like I mean, a risky move. There seems like there's just a lot of boomer bust potential, right? I mean, these guys are, I think Durant's 32, Harden's 31, Kyrie's 28. Um, but who knows how much longer he'll be playing basketball for. So, you know, I think there's 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 little short-term downside here in terms of like, they should be good this year, next year, probably the year after. But like, in terms of you're trading and swapping picks, like four, five, six, seven years out, like, definitely risky um you know for the nets hopefully in their case 
Um, being in New York, there, there isn't too much downside potential, but I do think um, there's a lot of risk here, you know, coming for coming down the line in, you know, three or four or five years. Yeah. One quick follow-up question. Can, can you trade like a, a swap? So like, or a pick that swap. So like, could the Nets trade their pick for a year from now that is supposed to be swapped with the Rockets and then someone else would just hold the like... Well, the Nets can't trade it because they can't, you can't be trading picks until the... Like, you can't trade picks in consecutive years, which is why it's mm-hmm. picking and swap. Got so it. they couldn't trade it, like, now. But, like, on draft day, they could trade it. Right. Okay. But it's not because it's swapped. Like, the Rockets could trade... The Rockets could trade their first. Like, they could be like, we're trading the better of our first and Nets yeah. first to whoever for okay. whatever. Got it. Yeah. In that sense, I I'm I feel like it's kind of like a five first round pick trade because what are the chances that the Rockets are actually going to use the swap like in the next two years? Probably yeah. quite low. But anyways, yeah. that's kind of a minor point. Yeah, I mean it's right. I think there's they're obviously not going to swap. I mean, I'd be surprised if they end up swapping this year, yeah. um, and then next year they get the Nets first, and the year for that is when I think they probably still won't be swapping. But I guess it's a possibility. And then to your question about the fit, um, you know, it's interesting. They're, they're, I've heard people say their depth is 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 really bad. I don't think their depth's actually that bad right now. I think the issue more is just a big guy where they traded away Jared Allen. They now they just have DeAndre Jordan, who's not very good anymore. I think he got benched the other night. That's what Zach um, Lowe was saying. And Jeff Green is maybe the backup center. Um, and then, so that's that's not ideal. But to me, it's more just like in their closing lineup, which is going to be these three guys plus Joe Harris plus somebody, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, whoever. Like, can they defend enough? Um, do they want to defend enough? And then, too, like to me, I think there is some amount of like diminishing returns of having yeah. so much ISO guys. Like, yeah, it's super helpful to have Harden, but like Harden's super helpful when he needs the ball all the time. And like Harden is still going to be a good NBA player, but like, he's not like when he's standing on the sideline, he's not like any better than, you know, sitting in the corner, he's not any better than a lot of other guys. So I guess like at some point you can't have all three of these guys ISO at the same time. So like the sum of their parts might not be, you know, the team might not be as good as, as you would think the three individuals. Yeah, I guess the two things it hedges against, one is Kyrie just going completely off the rails and not yeah. coming back and ever playing basketball, yeah. um, which is probably a separate conversation. And then the second is injuries. So, you know, if Kyrie or, if Kyrie or KD were to get hurt, um, they obviously have that extra firepower I'm fascinated to also see how the personalities are going to fit. Cause like, even though KD's gotten some flack in the past for, um, I don't know, I guess being like a little bit moody, he undoubtedly loves basketball and seems to work very hard at it. And James Harden is like going to birthday parties, gentlemen's clubs. He's like 20 pounds overweight um he clearly thinks that he can just do whatever he wants uh like how god god bless steve nash and the the effort he has in front of him there to establish the right amounts of structure and authority with that team yeah i 
I agree with that. I, I do think in the regular season, there's going to be some real challenges, especially around how much they try on defense and how good they really are. Like they can obviously be bad teams, but like there's not going to be a ton of effort from them as a team. Um, in the playoffs, I think those guys will try hard. Um, so they should be good. It's just a question of, like I said, like how many points can they score? Like, yeah. and then you score a lot. Um, are there the any, team- do you think there'll be any potential like buyout candidates or I don't, I don't even know if they could trade like a second round pick for a big man or something like, I mean, like there's a, there's a sudden, like I, I'd imagine they will be in the market for someone on the, on the center market. Like I don't, like Dwayne Dedman's available. I don't know. Like he's fine. Like I don't think anyone that's like, like you don't really don't get buyout candidates that are gonna like be helpful, super helpful in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Because like even if you think about their team, like you know like the best buyout pink candidates the last few years, like like uh, Jeff Green was pretty good. He was on he's on their team now, obviously. And then like Wes Matthews, like if they got Wes Matthews, like would it be helpful? Like sure, I guess. But like it's not like. It's not like their bench is so bad, right? They still have like some yeah. guys who are okay. It's just like the question of like they yeah, have yeah. Shamit and Bruce Brown or whoever. It's like PLC. They need someone who can defend anyone on the wing. And it's not a great option right now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, right now, if they were to run into the Celtics, I guess it's like Katie and Joe Harris who are gonna be covering yeah. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah. I mean, I, and obviously they're so offensively talented, it probably wouldn't matter, but it's just yeah, it'll it'll certainly be interesting. Uh, what do you think about Houston? What what do you think about their haul? Uh, I think it was good. This just brings me something I want to talk about, which is like, would you rather get this haul, um, or Simmons and let's say Simmons and Maxi in a first? I don't think Tillman Fertitta wants to pay for Ben Simmons and all that that would entail right now. I think he's probably happy that he's just getting a bunch of picks. He can run a cheap team for the next few years, minus the John Wall contract, and then sort of rebuild from there. Yeah. If it were my team, I'd rather have Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey and try to build around that. See, I'm not sure I agree with you because I like how good are you going to be with Ben Simmons? Like Ben Simmons is not like Ben Simmons is what? Like the 30th best player in the NBA. Yeah, I'm not convinced that – I don't know. Maybe we have seen enough of it when Joel Embiid's been hurt, but I feel like if you put Ben Simmons in, like, a Giannis-type role, he could be pretty dominant. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Dominant uh, may not be the right word. I think but, he could then, I think he could be a top 15 player in yeah. that kind of role. I do think the two deals probably were relatively equal value, and it's sort of a preference of what you want. Like you said, Fertitta's not going to want to spend the money on Ben Simmons, so – it makes sense why Houston went the way they did. Um, and honestly, they were probably also a little afraid of Ben Simmons getting to Houston and being like, I don't want to be in Houston. Trade. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what do you do then? Um, certainly a concern. And I guess I'm a little interested, confused, or I'm not sure I understand why Maury didn't sort of push the extra asset to the table to get James Harden. Like maybe they're just not, maybe the Nets wouldn't just be good enough with Harden and Bede, but I really do think that would vault them to the top of the East if they had gotten Harden instead of the Nets. Yeah, the Sixers. Yeah, sorry, Sixers, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit of it was like saving face because he so repeatedly said we're not going to trade Ben Simmons and he did the same thing with Chris Paul and doesn't want to forever lose the trust of players and agents um, as a general manager. Yeah, 
Um, do you have any thoughts on Cleveland or Indiana's moves here? Incredibly weird that Cleveland now has like six or seven, probably starting caliber fours and fives between Nance, Love, Drummond, JaVel McGee, Torian Prince, probably not starting quality and yeah. Jared Allen. So that doesn't make sense to me. Have to I, would, yeah. I mean, some guys are on the block there. Yeah. I'm sure they just yeah. don't, it's more of a move to get Jared Allen for the future and his rights as a restrictive free agent than it is about right now. But I assume Drummond will be on the block. Um, and then from the Indiana perspective, like I, I think Oladipo is a better player than Levert is, but Levert one is a, on a longer term deal and a cheaper deal. So it's sort of, I think it makes sense in the long run of just like what they're trying to sustain in Indiana to have Levert as opposed to Oladipo. Yeah, I think the other thing is that there may be some like team dynamics there where it seemed like Oladipo was like back and wanted to be the man. And they were kind of like, our team's better when we have Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis running a bunch of pick and rolls. And so instead of Oladipo kind of being uh, excessive on that first unit in a way, offensively, they have. I was even thinking they might start Justin Holiday. It's assuming when TJ Warren's back. Is Justin Holiday the taller one or the short one? Taller one. Taller one. Yeah, they might start Justin Holiday and then like bring Levert off the bench and have him be like the sixth man gunner who just runs the second unit. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably mainly a contract thing. I don't think they were going to want to re sign Oladipo, but locking in Levert at 17 a year is pretty good. Yeah. And then. I think this is a rare trade where, like, I don't think anyone did anything super dumb here. Like, I don't think there's a, really anyone who came out poorly in this whole thing. I'll be interested yeah. to see what happens with Oladipo in Houston. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they end up trading him again to the deadline, um, yeah. depending on how they're playing. Um, they're under the tax now, so, um, you know, that's not, no longer <laughs> Tillman Fertitta's primary concern for the rest of the year. But I think if they – sort of seem not that competitive. I think Oladipo could be on the move again, you know, to a yeah. place like Dallas or Miami or whatever. Yeah. Last thing I'll say is um, I probably lost a decent amount of respect for James Harden through this process. Yeah. I just, I mean, I guess like you can say like, Oh, like he just wants to control his own destiny, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know, you sign like a crazy lucrative contract, you get everything catered to you. And then when it stops working, you like blow it up and act like a, Immature. yeah i guess i care more about how he like played the last right, few right. weeks as opposed to like his asking out like i think like you're gonna get traded like if you want to get traded like you're pretty much gonna get traded so just like try hard and don't be fat and like it'll you'll still get traded um, yeah he's gonna have to hit that intermittent fasting grind to shed some weight i know i wonder how fast he can lose these pounds in brooklyn we'll see all right um that's all i got in the hardened trade um, we recorded the rest of the pod uh, earlier, so hope you guys enjoy it. Lots of content for the people. But so uh, diving in with COVID, Sheed, would you like to give your just to, maybe just give the people um, an update on what's happening with the league because there's been a lot of news. Yeah, we've had a lot of players either test positive or contact traced, which has led to a bunch of game cancellations. I'm trying to think. Uh, the Sixers never had a game canceled, but they had eight guys for a couple games, which isn't ideal for them. Uh, the Celtics have had now three games canceled on um, Sunday, Tuesday, and today, which is Wednesday. Um, the first game 
quick segue was because the Heat did not have enough players. Um, so the Heat had one game canceled. And the Mavericks have had one game canceled. How did the Heat not have enough players like Sunday, but then they're playing again on Tuesday? I th- I believe um, they had two guys. They needed they had three guys listed as questionable or or doubtful for Sunday, and they needed two of them to play, and two of them weren't gonna play. Um, it was like Le- Myers Leonard, Kelly Olynyk, and. Was this for COVID reasons or for... no? No injury reasons. So they're so they're down to eight guys right now. Also, they had eight guys last night against the Sixers because of COVID. Yeah. So they have a bunch of guys. They have a few, one or two guys that are injured, but like they have nine guys. Who, they had nine guys there, and Myers Leonard's out with a shoulder injury or something. So they had eight eight guys dressed. Um, so they missed some games, and the Mavs missed games missed a game on Monday because of contact tracing. Although it sounds like they're playing today, which I'm not really sure how that's happening or why that's happening or what happened there. But um, that's where we're at as of now. When do you think they're going to play the postponed games? Is that why they didn't release the second half of the schedule? They're just going to like condense the second half even more and fit those games in and hope that by then they're not having these issues? I think it gives them flexibility in two ways. One, you can just play games like on the front end or the back end of, the, of like the two-week break that's supposed to be in the middle. Oh, there's supposed to be a two-week break? Yeah, two-week break in the middle. So oh, like, wow. conceivably, like whoever, the Celtics and Heat could play like the like the first day of the of the break or the last day of the break or whatever. Yeah. And also it gives you flexibility in terms of scheduling where games are played, right? So if you think that the Celtics and Magic, I'm using the Celtics because this is what this is what I know about. Um Celtics and Magic are supposed to play a two-game series or whatever, Wednesday, Friday. Um Friday might still happen, but Wednesday is canceled. Yeah. Um. So, they can play on Friday, and then if they want to, they can just shift the schedule around so that the Celtics just play twice in Orlando. And this game that was originally supposed to be in Boston can just be in Orlando, and they can figure out the schedule that way. Gotcha. That makes sense. So I think it just provides more flexibility. So like, you know, you can just fit in a back to back. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these these two game series are actually on across three days. But like, I think when you're going to try to fit games in that maybe got postponed. Yeah, probably will do it. Like, like I'm sure this Heat Celtics game that got canceled will get made up in the second half of the season with just a back to back with Celtics Heat in Boston. Yeah, that makes sense. I know that uh, my friend who's a Sixers fan was complaining that the Celtics are getting all their games canceled when they don't have any guys, but the Sixers are having to play with like seven or eight guys and Joe Matthias or Matthias Joe Matthias probably. The dude from Purdue is playing like 40 minutes a game. Dude, Dakota Mathias. Dakota Mathias. Dakota Mathias. Sorry. I'm thinking of, they have another guy. Isaiah, I, I was thinking of Isaiah Joe. Yeah, they're both playing. Uh, Dakota Mathias actually didn't play very much last night, actually, but he did hit the game winning three. So <laughs> that's get that going for him. Um, yeah, I think NBA is saying where you're playing if you have eight guys who can play. So, so you Sixers, don't think it's a grand conspiracy uh, to try to just to try to uh, make Philly fans' lives as miserable as possible. No, I don't think so. I think what happened was they, they actually had eight guys, and then and then Embiid and Simmons were like, we don't want to play. or You know what I mean? Or Embiid was like, I don't want to play. But he wasn't on the injury report. So you can't yeah. just like add someone to the injury report randomly on Saturday after like 
you that's played that's kind of what i thought it seemed like they were trying to game it and like good for the nba for being like you can't go from not having guys on the injury report to like saying that they're injured in, so in- yeah so for the celtics they had eight guys and they were going to put eight guys on sunday it was going to be a bleak eight-man roster four point guards two centers marcus smart aaron neesmith but um the heat didn't have enough guys and then an additional guy got into contact tracing is my understanding which is why both tuesday and wednesday got canceled so one other question are the teams that like like are the celtics for example if langford and walker were healthy right now could they also be playing like would those basically just be two extra roster spots like are teams that are holding guys that are hurt getting penalized or are they on like the dl of sorts there's no dl so like anyone on your 17 man roster or whatever can play yeah, you can get in like an extra like hardship waiver to sign a guy, but you, you need to have like people out for more than two weeks, which doesn't, which is they should probably change because of COVID. So like someone got signed the other day because of the Cavs signed Yogi Ferrell, I think, or something, because they've had no guards because everyone's out. Like Sexton's out, Garland's out, yeah, uh, Exum's out. Like they literally don't have enough. So they have like a hardship waiver because like everyone in the Celtics is basically out seven to 10 days or 10 to 14 days or whatever. Yeah. Um, that should, that's not really an option for them right now. Um, so that's sort of the issue that's at hand, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. Second to last topic. It, it's kind of interesting that it seems like even so early in the season, the NBA is just having more trouble than the NFL. I guess it's probably a byproduct of two different things. One, their rosters are just smaller. And so like if three guys get it and you have to contact, or if one guy gets it, you have to contact trace everyone. Like, okay, probably everyone's going to have it versus in the NFL. They kind of like keep guys limited to their position groups when they're inside practices are outside and they only play once a week. Um, yeah, I think the second thing is that like they're not moving around all the time in the NFL. It's just like, okay, go home, come to work versus like travel, go to a hotel, go to a restaurant, get on a plane, get on a bus. Yeah, there's a lot more of that in the NBA, which I think is part of the issue. And then also, obviously, too, like there's just a lot more coronavirus going on in the US right now than for a lot of the NFL season. Yeah. That's um, true. Like some teams have had issues, obviously, too. But like you said, like, it's more possible in the NFL to like isolate teams like from each other, like isolate position, position groups from each other or like whatever. So, or people from each other or like have meetings outside and stuff, which is like not really a thing you can do in the NBA. Um, yeah. So Maybe I think they should just find a bunch of outdoor courts and start running practice there. I, I live right near one now. The Warriors uh, going to, the Warriors going to be. Yeah, exactly. There. The court actually has Golden State Warriors in the center of it as well. Well, supporting the community. Yeah, exactly. Um, I still think that the NFL should uh, make what happened to the Broncos like a thing every year where each team has to play at least one game a year without any quarterbacks on their roster. Sounds – I think it was more fun in theory than it was in practice. No, I think it would be electric if like – and, and teams can like pick which game. So, for example, like when the Chiefs are playing like the Jaguars, they're just not going to have a quarterback. And, and it's going to be like no Andy, 
Andy Reid, just the trigger agent. Although then you would be incentivized to like sign running backs and receivers that you thought could play quarterback for a game. So they'd have to work out those rules. But yeah, if I were commissioner of the NFL, I would, I would make that a rule. Yeah. I think it'd be more fun than the current, the current what happened for Denver because the issue with Denver was like, they also had no practice, so they couldn't do anything cool. Yeah. Like if you had like a week to practice with no QB, you'd probably do some weird stuff. As opposed to like having a, yeah. a wide receiver try to like just throw the ball like a, like a QB. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, obviously both of us want the league to continue playing. Um, we don't want it to get canceled. It seems like they're pretty intent on doing so. They did just release a lot more restrictions yesterday. So now like you're not allowed to high five. Like you have to wear your mask on the bench, blah, blah, blah. I personally, I think a lot of the like new restrictions are kind of silly. Like if dudes are posting each other up the entire game, like I don't think a post game high five is going to be like the nail in the coffin in terms of when COVID decides to jump from one person to the other. But what probably does make sense is the NBA starting to enforce the rules that it does have um, more strictly. Yeah. I mean, um, I think part of the issue is that like, and this is like sort of the whole underlying issue is that just like the NBA players on the whole, I'm not saying every single player, like just care a lot less about COVID than like a lot of the public who's like trying to speak on these issues or complain about these issues or whatever. And like guys just like don't care really. Like for a lot of people, I'm not saying it's it's all the way true, but I think like the I mean, issue. Do they not? I feel I feel like we should be a little more nuanced here. Like, do they not care, or is it just not their foremost care in the world? Okay, it's not. It's definitely not their most their foremost care in the world. And like, I think so. That's the whole issue here, right? It's like people are going to test positive, and like it's going to happen because people want to do things. And like, essentially, now the NBA is trying to build a bubble without a bubble, which. I mean, I guess isn't the worst idea because very clearly the players would were not going to sign up for another bubble because it was, wasn't fun and they didn't want to do it. Um, and so I just think right now we're getting to a point where like, there's just going to be games canceled. And like, I don't think pushing through is the wrong answer because I don't like until people get vaccinated and things get better, like this is going to be the case. And I don't think pausing for a week or two weeks to like reset is really going to fundamentally change any of the issues that are currently, you know, causing a problem for the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I think they should continue. I think it's just going to be like hit or miss until February or March or whenever this current tide begins to turn. Um, Now the, the, the potential silver bullet uh, would be some little MRNA that we could jab into the arms of 500 American citizens contributing to, uh, to, to the economy, to jobs. Um, you have to think that there are more than 500 doses just sitting on a shelf somewhere, if not Certainly. everywhere in the United States, waiting to find their way into other people's arms. Certainly. I would be pro vaccine the players. I think you'd honestly, like my understanding is that you'd have some issue convincing a lot of players to get vaccinated. But at least vaccinating the players that like you at least vaccinating the players that like want to get vaccinated would be a good first step. And like you could probably change the rules slightly 
to incentivize players to get vaccinated. Um, I think that it just seems like a pretty simple answer. And there's a lot of people online are saying that's sending a bad message, et cetera, et cetera. And I just like, don't really believe in that virtue signaling. Um, I just think like we have enough doses lying around. Like, it's not like if, it's not like if Joel B gets a vaccine that like some elderly person in Pennsylvania is not going to get it. It's just, it's, it's, it's a completely separate, separate issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm pro vaccinated players. Yeah, no, I, I, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago. And I think at that point, like it wasn't clear what the, the speed and efficacy of the vaccine, like distribution and administration was going to be. But now, I mean, the latest numbers I've seen is that like there are 25 million vaccines that have been distributed in the United States and only 9 million of them have actually been administered. And now that they're not doing the whole like we need to hold on to the second dose for people. I agree with you. It's like, just get like jabs in arms, like ASAP. Um, now I know that it, now you could perhaps argue like, oh, if you open it up to everyone, then like vaccination stations are going to be overwhelmed and the 65 year olds that actually want them, like aren't going to be able to get them. But like, come on, we're smart enough to figure out like, okay, normal business hours. It's only going to be people who like have like our healthcare workers or, you know, are old like those people are guaranteed them but at the end of the day whatever's going to go bad we're going to give to people it's like let's let's get uh let's get the celtics hanging out outside a health clinic around 9 p.m and just get them all vaccinated herd immunity for the celtics right now don't worry about it not a big deal for the celtics uh, no i agree i mean I, I like and i don't think this is first and foremost a basketball podcast although i like to like to dabble in fixing the problems of the world um, <laughs> but it just feels like we can do this better faster you know like just pay the states to vaccinate people like state most states are between like 25 and 50 percent usage of their vaccines so far that they have um not even to say so the unreleased which is just so low it's just like vaccinate people more quickly have the government pay for extra nurses set up like basically field hospitals to do it like yeah like if we will save so much see, money if anyone wants to see a good plan, search David Friedberg on Twitter. He has a whole thread uh, on how we can quickly vaccinate everyone. And like the thing that is perhaps getting a bit lost here is like, I don't think we're just saying this because like we want the NBA to continue or like, you know, we want young people to be able to get vaccines. Like the more people that get vaccinated faster, the sooner COVID ends and like, you know, the less vector the less spread the less people there are to spread it so yeah i yeah. mean it's, it's just like i just think every vex like we should be at like 80 percent, 90 percent of you know vaccine usage in terms yeah. of how much they've gotten how much is used it's just like yeah if you get a new shipment use it yeah and hopefully i, I hopefully there'll be more that are getting approved soon too. yeah like Johnson and, Johnson and honestly too. we all hope that's in a most fair and equitable way possible but like getting them in arms is more important is on the margin is more important than like saying, Oh, you're 50 years old. You shouldn't have got this vaccine. Like Cuomo's thing about finding people, hospitals who gave the vaccine to wrong people. It's like, that's the wrong thought process. Thought process should be incentivizing people to vaccinate everybody, especially those who are elderly or have pre-existing conditions or. Yeah. All that. I agree. I'd love to see someone model like at like the current take rate 
how many people will die from COVID if we keep like restrictions on who's getting vaccinated, like strict restrictions in place versus like if we just got jabs in arms as soon as possible, um, what would like, how would that impact like the death rate in the United States? Because I basically, I think they're probably like a utilitarian argument for just vaccinating everyone as soon as possible. Also, apparently jab is a British term. I didn't know that. Still, like, vaccinate people? Yeah. Like, go get your jab. Is that why you dropped it? Well, I use, I feel like I've used it intermittently as, like, a verb. Like, oh, like, people should go and get a jab in the arm. But they use it as nouns, apparently. Like, oh, I need to get my jab. Anyways, um, any final thoughts on um, COVID? That ended up occupying a lot of time here. But hopefully the people enjoy it. Uh No. I hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy. Yeah. You know, hopefully we'll be through this in the next, you know, four, five, six months. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for the under there. Um, Okay. Should we, should we get on to the basketball? Let's, let's talk about a few teams that um, I think uh, the, the line we tried to walk here is uh, teams that we think are interesting thus far this year or, and potentially different, but also teams that may continue to be relevant. Like as the year goes on, like, I don't know, we could probably say some stuff that's interesting about like the bowls or like, I don't know, the Kings, but like chances are, we're not going to be talking about them come April or May. Uh, and so I think we tried to pick some teams, perhaps with the small exception of the Hornets that there would be a little bit more content. Um, worth talking about down the road anyways uh should we start with the lakers let's do it you want to start or you want me to start uh why don't you just give us like a description of how the lakers have looked this year and i don't know maybe tell us a little bit about their rotation and whatever yeah. else you want to maybe. say i don't want to be too prescriptive here she the lakers have been very good i would say they're nine and three um three at three at home six and zero on the road they kind of just destroyed the rockets twice in the last two games best point differential in the nba too actually best, no, second best sorry yeah terrific point differential um there's a very good team um you know lebron and ad are both superstars they're both you know two of the five best players in the nba right now probably and they just have really good pieces fit around them you know what i mean i think schroeder's been a great addition kcp's off to a terrific start shooting the ball he's a three and d guy um you know gasol is solid and then on you know they have essential they have really good scoring for the second unit with kuzma and and harrell Mm -hmm. um you know the rotation changes a lot um you know it's like 11 guys and and vogue kind of changes it up but they have great depth i mean like starting fives obviously obviously with schroeder kcp anthony davis lebron and marcus saul and then they have you know kuzma harrell uh Markeith Morris, Caruso, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, Wes Matthews. You know what I mean? There's just lots of options, lots of bodies. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're really good. I mean, there's been games where the counts, they don't really try. They just like do the bare minimum to win, which is, you know, a respectable endeavor. But um, I think pretty clearly they're the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would say the most interesting part for me has been how their new additions seem to be fitting and, and like what they're bringing to the team. So if we start with Schroeder, I think 
offensively, he's just way better than Rondo and the combination of Rondo and Avery Bradley. Like he's a 16 to 18 point a night scorer who can get his own shot. He can create for other guys. Uh, and I think takes a lot of the pressure off like LeBron and AD on their first unit. Um, and then I, I actually really like how their big men have looked to begin with. Like Marcus is old. He doesn't move great. Like I think in the playoffs, he will likely be a bit of a question defensively if like teams are dragging him into a bunch of pick and rolls as the Celtics did last year. But like, he's a great positional defender and on the offensive end, he's a fantastic passer. Like you can put him at the top of the key and give him the ball and run like pin downs on the side or, you know, back screens, whatever. And he can hit cutters. He can shoot the three a little bit. And then Trez, I mean, for all of his faults that we talked a lot about during the playoffs last year can create his own shot. Like you can throw him the ball on, you know, the, the wing and he can jab step a couple times and then get to the rack. And he also just plays with a ton of energy, which I think on a team that won a championship last year is, is really important. I mean, LeBron tends to stay locked in and like, doesn't kind of let his guys slide, but I think having that new blood is really important. And then the last guy is Wes Matthews. who's just been really solid. Like, I think he's a sneaky, good defender, especially for his age. Like, He's got some, some like beef to him. So, you know, as long as he can keep his feet in front of people, he's normally not going to get like bowled over and he's a solid shooter, a veteran that LeBron can trust. Um, yeah. So I, I think to start with, like, I just, I feel pretty good about their free agent additions and think that those guys are certainly contributing more than the combination of Rondo, Danny Green, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Yeah. And I think their roster just fits better. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, I think Danny Green, I mean, uh, I think Dwight Howard and, and Javel McGee did a good job last year, but like, think about like what fits around AD and LeBron, like, floor spacing is what you want. And like, even though Gasol doesn't shoot it a ton, like, he provides a lot of space for those guys. And then they just have lots of solid shooters, you know? It's just like, I don't think that anyone's like truly, truly elite shooting, but like, I think about all those role players, they all shoot it pretty well. You all have to re- respect all their shots from deep. So, it just gives a lot of space for them offensively because all they're really trying to do when LeBron and AD on the floor is get LeBron and AD in space getting downhill to the rim or, or, or you know, getting into their, you know, getting into their mid-range stuff. That's all they want to do. And it makes yeah. sense because they, they're really efficient that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the roster fits a lot better from, from that perspective. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say that's a bit of an X factor is THT, Taylor Horton Tucker. Anyone that uh, that follows Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, uh, has, has probably had their eyes open to THT a bit because I think he wrote a decent feature on him and then also has done some videos where he talks about him. But um, yeah, I mean, he's only 6'4", but he has a 7'1 wingspan and he weighs like 235 pounds. I don't know what made him decide to add back all the weight that he seemed to have lost uh, for the bubble, but it literally looks like he gained like 20 pounds in between the finals and yeah. this season. But anyways, he's been good. He's been good. Yeah. Uh, he, he can like kind of create his own shot. It's just like another wing um, that you can like throw out there to cover good wings. Um, and the interesting thing to me is like, especially because they're 11 deep, which maybe you want to have that deep of a roster in a year, like this year uh, when guys are going to be out for random reasons, like they could package like Taylor Horton Tucker and, 
I don't know, one other contract and a pick and like get another good player, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's a restricted free agent after the year. So THD is. Yeah. And he's 20 years old. So he's going to get, I think he's going to get like maybe the mid level. That's pretty solid. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you think that there's any world where the Lakers would try to trade for someone else or they just really like our yeah, roster? Uh, I, it it kind of seems like they have enough top end talent, especially after winning it last year, the way that they did that they'll just stand pat. Yeah. I think it's probably more of a stand pat year for them. Um, and then depending on what they want to do with THT, I think there's a lot of potential that like Kuzma gets traded in the off season. Like he got yeah. signed to an extension, but it kind of feels like, like he's fine in his role. Like he's, he's been helpful and stuff, but like, this is not like, like he's not like a super needed part of this team. No. Um, and they're paying him whatever, $13 million a year or whatever, starting next year. So I, it does feel like they could, they could, I guess see them trading them for a better defender or a better shooter or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like his sort of volume scoring ability is completely unnecessary. And so like, he's basically, kind of used as a three and D guy and he's like a fine three point shooter and he's like a med defender. And it's like, you could just get a better three and D defender that probably doesn't have like the, the sort of ISO offensive upside that he does, but it would be a much better fit on their team moving forward after the year. Yeah, that, that seems right. Um, I guess the other thing worth noting with the Lakers is that LeBron, even though he hasn't been playing quite as much, like he's only averaging 32 minutes a game. Uh, seems pretty locked in. I know that like Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo talked about this on a podcast yesterday, but um, you know, he's averaging 24, eight and eight on 32 minutes a game, which is pretty good. And I think from watching a few of the Lakers games, seems like he's also kind of remained pretty engaged defensively. Uh, so I don't know. They, they were also speculating on whether or not LeBron might be a sneaky MVP candidate. Um, which I think like right now he's like eight in the odds. So it might be some, some smart money you could lay there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's sort of locked in, but also coasting's the wrong word. It's just like, he just knows exactly what they need and he does that. And he's not like trying to dominate games. He's just like, he's really focused on doing what he needs to do to help them win. But just yeah. that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting though that he seems to like still be the alpha, like Anthony Davis averaging 22, eight and three. And like, he's a great player, but if anything, he seems like the one who's been coasting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it does feel like, it does feel like both those guys do realize that like they, they are, their team is very good and they, want to win as many games as possible be the one seed, but they're not like make or break dying for every, every game. Um, I think for them moving forward, the key is just health, right? It's just like LeBron's probably fine. He's not been hurt much in his career, but like Anthony Davis has had tons of issues. So just keeping Anthony Davis healthy is yeah. extremely important because it, it, it all falls apart, especially defensively when he's not there. Like I watched some of them play the bulls. I think he was out. Um, and they just got lit up. And that's, that's I mean, we'll, I think we'll talk about the Bulls eventually, not today, but someday. And they've been playing pretty well. But, like, they just, like, if you think about their team, like, without Anthony Davis, like, there's just no, the defensive juice is just gone. Yeah. 
very little rim protection. Um, yeah. All right, let's let's move on to the next team. Uh, should we talk about the Hornets? Let's talk about the Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets, an exciting team to talk about on the podcast, something many of you probably never thought you would hear. Yeah, they've had an unbelievable, you know, I guess unbelievable is probably a little strong. They've had a really good start to the year. Um, it, I was a little worried about them to start off, but then when they lost to OKC, but they've, they've really rallied well. They are 6-5, and five, um, but they were a plus 1.0 point differential. Uh, they're tied for fifth in the East right now. Uh, and they, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think, I mean, LaMelo has been great. Um, he's averaging 12, seven and six, He's not shooting unbelievable, obviously, but like, I think he's clearly shown that he's going to be a good player in this league. Um, uh, and he's had some really good performances thus far, a little up and down, but pretty, pretty good. Um, and they've been buoyed by a very strong defense thus far, which I guess would be my initial initial concern. Um, but it's a super fun team to watch. They shoot a ton of threes. It's basically just like four guards or like four, you know, they don't really play a true power forward much. PJ Washington mostly plays center now. Um, and they just space it. And Miles Bridges plays a decent amount. Yeah, but he's like, I guess he's kind of a four. I, he's more of a three in my mind, but like, they just shoot a ton of threes. Even those guys, right? Those guys will shoot a ton of threes also. They just shoot a ton of threes, dribble, drive, attack. Um, and, like, there's no one really clogging the lane except for Biombo sometimes. So it's, it's been effective for them so far. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, LaMelo is actually leading their team in PER. Interesting. 19.57. Gordon Hayward is 19.48. Yeah. Interesting. Um, um, yeah, no, the, the Hornets have been um, interesting. I guess my question is, like, do you think that their defense is sustainable? Like, who do they have? Like, aside from Biombo, is there anyone else on their roster that's actually, like, a plus defender that can keep locking teams up? I mean, Rozier maybe is. It, I think – I don't think they're going to be too bad defensively because I think Lomelo has been a lot better than we all expected him to be defensively. And Rozier's solid, and, and Hayward isn't great anymore, but he's okay. And, like, when Bridges plays, he's solid. And, like, Cody Martin or whatever Martin brother, whatever Martin twin plays is, is solid. It's more just, like, everyone is kind of solid at this point versus, like, there's actually really good defenders out there. Um, but I, I would expect some regression just because I think some of this has been taking advantage of a schedule where teams just aren't great. Um, like, I was watching them play Philly. They, they played Philly twice and they just got kind of wrecked twice by Philly. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's, there's places for good offense to take advantage of them. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I have to ask you that you're probably not going to like is um, what do you think about Gordon Hayward's performance thus far? He's been great. Um, he's shooting 50, 40, 90 so far. He actually, I think he, the issue with Gordon Hayward's never been like, how he plays when he plays. He was he's kind of like the fourth option last year in Boston. Yeah. And he put up really good stats. If you look at his stats last year versus this year, he basically is shooting like slightly, slightly better from an efficiency standpoint, but he's just basically doing the same thing he did in Boston with just like two or three or four more shots a game um, yeah. in Charlotte. Um, so it's not surprising to me. Um, I think he's been playing really well. It's just like, can he stay healthy? One and two, it's like, is he worth $30 million this year? Like maybe, but like you're paying it for three more years 
after this, which I think is a lot of the, a lot of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with everything you said, but I don't think it's too complicated there. It's basically the dude wanted a bigger role and now he's getting a bigger role and he's probably having more fun and succeeding more because of it. Yeah. Um, one question I had for you is like, do you think that they could trade either Graham or Rozier to kind of open up some more minutes for LaMelo as he comes into his own and use that to either get another wing or another big man that could maybe bolster them defensively? I know that Devontae Graham's probably lost a lot of his value. Yeah, they're an interesting place there. He's had a really tough start to the year, um, but he's also expiring. Um, and so he's going to be a restricted free agent in the offseason. I think Rozier fits a lot better than Graham Which means does. What? Like, because he's restricted, like, they have more reason to get rid of him, or other teams I'm, aren't going to well, want so, him. I'm or... just saying they might have to match a big contract. I, I don't know what they, I mean, they, I don't, oh, yeah. What's he worth? I don't know. $10 million a year. Who knows? Rozier's making 20. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Like, I think. Like they I, probably I, want to make the playoffs. Yeah, so like they're not going to trade Rozier then, right? Like I think like, sure. I think he'd be really helpful on the, on teams, right? Like he kind of makes sense because like he's like kind of a combo guard, but like he can defend the one, but like more play off the ball. So like any team that has like a lot of ball dominant wing stuff, like he would make a lot of sense on. So like for instance, like the Lake, not the Lakers would trade for him, but like he'd make a ton Blazers. of sense. Lakers, he'd make a lot of sense. Sure, the Blazers, but they have sort of guard heavy, like he would make a lot of sense if back on the Celtics if they didn't have Kemba. You know what I mean? Like these teams that need their point, need someone to defend point guards, but also just be a floor spacer more offensively. Um, that's sort of what his game is, right? He sort of misfit as a point guard early on in his career. It's not really what he does. Um, and so I think he'd have value on the league, shooting the ball very well. Uh, but I think they kind of want to make the playoffs. So yeah, he's shooting 43% from three on eight attempts a game. Yeah, it's a lot of volume. He's shooting very well. Um, part of this, and part of their success, too, very clearly. Like, there's just going to, like, I think Graham will shoot better, but there's going to be a lot of regression from a lot of guys shooting the ball. Like, there's, like, yeah. I think, like, PJ Washington is shooting very well. Miles Bridges is shooting pretty well. Like, just stuff that's, like, yeah. going to regress to more average. Miles Bridges is currently shooting 100% from the free throw line. Interesting. How many free throws has he taken? Uh, like, 10. Solid, solid. Um, but they've been good and interesting, you know, more interesting than I thought they would be. And I think that's sort of they're fun in the half court, but also in transition, right? Like with Lamella running and like with Bridges, there's sort of a lot of, and like Rozier's had some amazing dunks. Like they have some fun things to do in transition as well. Um, so it's been a surprise, right? Because I thought they'd be okay, boring in their, They've been better than I expected them to be and, and pretty fun to watch. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, any any teams that or any players that you think they could target like in a trade to try to get better? Anyone out there that would come to mind? I'm just trying to think of their team. Like it, they're in a weird place, right? Because like they're playing without Cody uh, without uh, Cody Zeller right now, um, who will obviously be helpful. How long is um, he out? He broke his hand like the first game of the year. I think he's out like four or six weeks. So I think he's probably halfway through that now, something like that. Got it. Um, so he'll be back soon. Yeah, he'll be back. Um, but he would be helpful, obviously. Uh, for them, like any sort of three and D wing would be helpful. Um, I don't think it's going to happen just because I don't, I don't 
like they're not going to trade a first round pick to get better. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, otherwise, like, I guess you could trade Graham and stuff, but like guys are expensive, right? It's like, I was thinking like Ubre, but like Ubre makes too much money, but like guys like that, um, Ubre when he's not missing every single shot I takes to be clear. Um, yeah. Would be helpful on their team. Right. I think they just, as much size they can get, it would be helpful because, you know, Graham and Rozier are both kind of small. Lamelo's tall, but skinny. Right. So anything, like who defends, like, not that they're ever going to have to deal with guarding LeBron James, but like who defends LeBron James on their team? <laughs> Probably Gordon Hayward. Yeah, which is not obviously ideal. Um, but, you know, guys like that um, would be helpful. But I, I again, I sort of expect them to just do, be status quo throughout the year because I think they're playing well. And like if they make the eight or nine or 10 seed, like that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, any any final words on the Hornets, or should we talk about the Blazers? Let's talk about the Blazers. Okay. So here, uh, CJ McCollum is having an incredible start to the year. So he's averaging 28 points on, you know, 47% from two, 44% from three, 87% from the free throw line. Um, they've been playing Enos Cantor and, like, Carmelo Anthony a lot. So, like, I don't know, Melo's averaging 25 minutes a game. Cantor's averaging 20 minutes. And, like, those guys are giving them a lot offensively. Like, they're averaging 13 and 11 points. Um, but we'll be curious to hear your thoughts on how they've been defensively. And then, like, I guess the other sort of thing that is a little surprising to me at the beginning of the year here is that neither Covington nor Jones has been particularly good uh especially on the offensive end uh but i don't know what do you think about what you've seen from the blazers so far um a little concerned uh cj's been incredible like all like he might be an all-star this year which would be great for him um to be a first time all-star he must be 29 28 29 something like that years old um it's just the defense is just not good and the issue it's is bad. that the issue is that like when they play their like good defensive wings like Covington and Derek Jones Jr., like they don't space the floor enough for CJ and Dame. And then when they play Cantor and Mello, they get literally zero stops. So they need to be able to like sort of I think I think part of it's like a lineup issue. Like if you're gonna play Cantor, play Cantor with the two defensive wings. Like just do it. Just play him with, with Jones Jr. and Covington. And then play Mello as a floor spacer um, in some of like the lineups with CJ and Dame, and like do it that way. Um, but like they have an issue that I thought was an issue for the Heat more in the regular season last year than in the playoffs because guys improved on defense. Is that like they just have good defensive players and good offensive players besides CJ and Dame, and CJ and Dame aren't great defenders either. But like yeah. outside of their two best players, it's just like we can go for offense or we can go for defense and there's no sort of great like two-way player <laughs> that they can plug in to me like Gary Trent Jr. is their best guy there and like he should be playing more than he is um, yeah he's only playing 24 minutes a game you kind of would have expected him to be uh, you know up around at least the 30 minute limit or line yeah and uh, like obviously and they have issues a big guy too because like Nurkic has struggled physically I, th- I think he's sort of he looks so good in the bubble, but like he's still clearly not all the way back from his injury that he had before. And then Cantor, you know, is just very it's it's extremely 
it's an extreme and his canter experience, like offense rebound, put back stuff like that. But like the defense is so tough. And then I think Collins being out for the year just hurt their versatility in terms of what they can do. Um, so that's, that's sort of their main issue to me. Yeah. One thing that, um, I think is also hurting them a bit is not having a backup point guard. Like they keep waiting for Anthony Simons to be something and he's, you know, playing 10 minutes a game, averaging five points and less than one assist. Uh, And I think that means that like, I think this is probably part of why they're having to play Carmelo Anthony and Cantor together is like, they like to play CJ and Dame together. Um, But when they, then take those guys off the court they have like no offense and no ball handling like you're not going to get offense from Gary Trent Jr. or Covington or Derek Jones Jr. and Simons isn't playing well and so instead they're having to like put Mello and Cantor out there as their like offensive engine on their second unit Um, and I feel like if this team had like one more like combo guard that they could play in those minutes where CJ and Dame aren't playing, it would be super helpful to them. Sign someone went to sign to Baz Napier. There's just like, he was just decent last year. He was just a solid backup point guard and he should be at the NBA and he would be a million times better than Anthony Simons. Yeah. That's not a terrible answer. He was on the Blazers for a while a couple years ago, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. He knows those guys. He should just go back. Huh. Interesting. Um, any other like trade options that you would see out there for the Blazers? I mean, it feels like they're kind of handcuffed. I mean, they, yeah. they they traded two first for Covington, right? Which I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> but um, it, is he worth two first more than Ariza? Ariza, like, I don't know. Like, they're kind of in a place now where it's like, I don't know how they get better. I mean, I guess you can see where they could try, they could try to get in the uh, hardened sweepstakes with this, with a CJ, CJ plus deal, but like, it doesn't really feel like that's going to be enough. I don't know. I feel like they're kind of stuck. Um, they're not bad. So like, I don't, I know I've been kind of negative on them. Like they're fine. Like I think they will be at five, six, seven seed in the West and that's okay. It's just, I don't think they had like, everyone was talking them up to start the year. And I think I was sort of part of this group. Um, and so I, I just, they, they're fine. You know, they're going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to lose in the first round. They might make a second round, but like, they're clearly not a contender. Yeah. Maybe if Zach Collins comes back, that'll change their trajectory, but he's probably out for a while. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to our last segment quickly here. So uh, text from Sheed. Um, my favorite was uh, Hartenstein looks like Myers Leonard who had never been in the weight room. Yeah, it was kind of from afar. They're, they're both tall white guys. I, I, they have, like, weird, like, similar, like, macho man, like, uh, mannerisms yeah. on the court. Um, that was basically all I was saying. He's had a fine start to the year. He's fine. He's extremely meh backup center, which is all you need when you have <laughs> Jokic playing 38 minutes a night or whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. But- He's All right, that was our only text from Sheed this week. Um, Sheed, any parting words for folks? Not really. Hopefully the NBA keeps playing. Vaccinate the players. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Sheed. Bye. You can